Normally people have to have a whiskey in them before they start telling the tall tale. Mm. Well, Justin, it goes hand in hand. So it does. Um, there's lots of folk tales, folk myths, folk legends, and there's, there's no better spirit for doing it than whiskey. And this little book, Tales of Whiskey by Stuart McCarty, does that. Okay, and uh, are we going to be familiar with these tales or are they completely new to the wider audience? Will I know any of them? Um, you might know some of them. Um, it's a little collection of little f- stories, fables, this kind of thing. And like most folk tales, there's always a commonality in them. You know, there's always lots of tales that there's different versions for different cultures. Now, Stuart McCarty is a writer. His bio here is a, he's a writer, historical scholar, poet, musician, folklorist, and renowned lecturer about Scottish history and culture. Um, he's a former president of the Pictish Arts Society and a director of the Scots Language Resource Centre. And he's occupied lead positions with organisations working towards the aim of rediscovering Scottish national identity. Nobody um, knows what happens to the Picts. They disappeared into the ether, didn't they? Well, they kind of did. I think they became sort of usurped by the, the people from Dalriada, which, which would be sort of my lot, possibly your lot, but I don't know. Um, <laughs> my lot. Basically, Dalriada, for anyone who doesn't know, if anyone doesn't know what the Picts, who the Picts were, they were the original people in Scotland, and then people from the old kingdom of Dalriada, which was the western isles of Scotland and the northern part of Ireland, basically pushed over in uh, for the guy called Kenneth McAlpine, of whom I, my surname Macaulay is attributed to the McAlpines. That's supposedly where it comes from. So they pushed over and usurped the, the, the Picts. So the, the Dalriadans went over there and they were known as the Scotty, the Scotai. So they became Scotty land and that's where the name comes from. Otherwise, it would be called Pictland. Pictland. It was called Pictland at a time, but uh, <laughs> McCarty's very, very involved in that sort of folk tradition, and he's put together a little collection. It's only, let me just check. Uh, it's less than two hundred pages. It's about one hundred ninety-two pages, and it's a little book, just with uh, sort of origins of whiskey in it and the myths of the origin of whiskey. Uh, talks about Walter Scott and all the little stories are Walter Scott stuff was all made up too well pretty much yeah he, he romanticised the whole Highland uh, he really made the Highlands trendy uh, it was him that brought in basically Celts and Rob Roy McGregor and everything that we sort of associate as being Scottish we can sort of lay at the feet of, of Sir Walter Scott he was Walter Scott was enormous, a huge author back in his day. I mean, it's hard to sort of quantify just how big he was. He, he was as big or bigger than uh, Sir Arthur Conan Doyle, wasn't he? Oh, he was much bigger, to be honest. He he was he was the sort of Steven Spielberg of his day, uh, if you like. You know, he was he, the stories that he told. Um, today we see them as a bit sort of twee and a bit. Um, tartan shortbread tan but because some know, storytellers yeah. today leave a lot to be desired don't they <laughs> a lot of them really do yeah a lot of them really do now th- this little book it goes through um 
various little short uh, pieces of writing. So there's one called uh, The Origins of Whiskey, Early Whiskey, sorry. And it talks about uh, the Celts. The Celts, what he thought he meant, he was said, he had said that it was probably was a reference to the drying of hallucinogenic mushrooms. So this was the Celts, okay? Um, so they were into this, more into the magic mushrooms, if you like. So it was all drinks and ro- <laughs> drinking drugs and rock and roll back then, <laughs> even back in the day. But they go on to talk about it was the, the Europeans in the early Middle Ages learned the art of distilling from Arabs who had originally got the trick from the Chinese. Now, uh, it goes on to describe. Uh, Basically, the distillation was fired by peat and the bothies were so full of smoke that the illicit whiskey makers were known as peat reekers. P-E-A-T-R-E-E-K-E-R-S. Peat reekers because they smelt of the stuff all the time and could be recognised by their blackened faces. So he's talking about how making whiskey back in the day it was would have been all peat in Scotland. You know, and the same in Ireland. So they basically tuned in and dropped out then, didn't they? I think you and I both know that when you're in the north of Scotland, when you're in Scotland, and if you're especially if you're wearing some sort of kilt, uh, having a, a whiskey inside is probably not the worst thing in the world to do, you know. <laughs> <laughs> but some of the tales are, you know, they're all folk tales, and they talk about some Welsh poems and stuff in it um, that refer to some whiskey as well. Um, there's a story about the Picts, actually. Uh, which obviously McCarty being a, an authority on picks, he talks about the Heather Yell. It was a strong, sweet alcoholic drink that the picks, well versed in ancient Holber lore, made from the tops of the Heather plant. Now there's a story in it about the chief of the picks having to pass down the, the recipe to his son, and that was the chief was the guy who made this Heather Yell, which is a, a, obviously. A, a spirit of some sort, probably lost. This sounds a bit and like bad Irish uh, liqueur that we were talking about a couple of weeks ago, which was linked in and somebody eventually got the recipe back from Europe. Was it Irish mist or something like I that? Mean, Irish mist, yeah. Yeah, it does sound a bit well, like yeah, that. Yeah, that's kind of something similar. But that's what I say, these folk traditions, these folk tales, lots of them have very similar uh, sort of tales to, to different cultures. Um, in this one, it says that the, the, the chief of the Picts made this Heather Yell and passed it down to his son, who would then become chief, and he would have to make it to this recipe. Now, the Scot, because the, the Scot wants to know how to make it, and the chief says, I'd rather die, I'd rather die, and... The Scot says to him, well, you'll die a horrible death if you don't tell us what how this is made. So the chief says, I'll tell you on one, on one condition. So the chief and his son are both tied up. And he says, on one condition. And then Scott says to him, what is it? He says, well, you have to kill my son. And the Scot looks very quizzical at this. Okay. And runs him through. And then says, will you tell me? And he says, no. So basically what's happened is he's got his son a quick death and the chief's prepared to take what's coming to him uh, rather than reveal the secret. So it's that style of little book. Oh, right. 
I would have had a no. nuclear bomb ticking in the, in the cave beside me just to make sure. You, you have your you have your nuclear bombs. There wasn't many nuclear bombs back in the the sort of fifth century, you know. Uh, well, <laughs> I don't know. I don't know about that. Uh, yeah. But uh, he, he, I see here he played he played him there, didn't he? Sorry, say he, that again. He played him there. He got one over on him. Oh yes, he played him. I, th I thought you were talking about a film there. I wasn't sure. No, uh, no. But but, but listen. <laughs> Marty, that doesn't sound like a nice kind of story. That sounds, that sounds no, like no. it's true. You'll be telling me next to Loch Ness Monster is true. Well, put it like this, there's, there's stories in this about other sort of mythical beasts like uh, the Athol Giant. And the Athol Giant, he's not a very nice... Proper folk myths, Justin, are, are not very nice you know when you go back to the early histories of the likes of uh sleeping beauty and stuff they're really not that pleasant you know cinderella not very nice no um, i know i know luckily they've been disneyfied they aren't really very nice but that, that doesn't sound very nice at all any of these stories i mean i hope you don't tell americans this when you're on tour with them because they'll be packing their six-pack with them and it's, <laughs> it's not it's, it's not a six-pack of tins it's a six-shooter no, no well no Listen, whenever they're coming over here, they come over. This is this is authentic uh, Scottish culture, Justin. Now I'll give you an example. The 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 Athol Bros or the Athol Giant story is basically one about a giant who goes around stealing everybody's cattle and so on and so forth. Well, I've um, heard this one before. Go on, tell me it's a good one. This one, and he has a nice daughter. He has a, a very beautiful daughter. Now where she came from is not really explained a huge amount, but the giant. Obviously, the hero of the piece sets off to go and, and, and destroy the the Athol giant and falls in love with his daughter, okay? Which is how these things are, are want to carry out and go on. Is this, um, what, this sounds like Shrek. Um, it finishes a bit more, um, shall we say, <laughs> not as well as Shrek. What happens? The giant, they make up a mixture, uh, the Athol bros, which is... For human consumption, it's three rounded tablespoons of medium oatmeal, two tablespoons of heather honey, and some scotch whiskey. So who, who wouldn't want that, to be honest? That's quite, that's quite pleasant. Um, so Dougal, for he is the hero, makes up a big vat of this. And the giant comes along, munchy, munchy, munchy. And it says here, his snore rang out like thunder through the forest. Now Dougal had his chance. With the thundering noise ringing in his ears, he was sure the great creature was deep into a drink-induced sleep. Drawing his sword, he came down the path. Well, I'll not spoil it for you, but you can kind of see where it's going. Oh, no, t um, tell us, if you don't tell us the, the end of it, I will never read the book or never watch a movie that has this big beastie in it. Right, okay, right, okay. Spoiler alert for anybody that doesn't want this. Drawing his sword, he came down the path. Without hesitation, he came up beside the giant and drove his sword right through the beast's hairy ear and into his brain. The giant never felt a thing as the life left his body and the great thundering snores fell silent. Dougal had done it. He had got rid of the giant of Athol. He knew he would be the hero of all the people, but what would the giant's daughter think? Um, and I'm not telling you anymore. That's the last of it. You know, what's, you know that it... Uh, it ends happy enough. Morag was the wee girl's name, by the way. I'm going to have to look up what Morag did, did, did next. Is that in the sequel, is it? 
<laughs> that's 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 in the Athol Giant too. The return of the Athol Giant. But there's another there's another couple of stories in this that are quite more contemporary. Well, I say more contemporary. They're they're about a century ago, which is a lot more contemporary than some of them. Um, only a century ago, you're frightening me now. There might be people around that have the power that is is portrayed in some of these tall tales. <laughs> I, don't, I don't think so. It's uh, it talks a little bit in it. Uh, it talks about the temperance movement. Uh, a lot of people don't know. Oh, we seem so to be having technical difficulties. <laughs> um, a lot of people don't know that Sir Winston Churchill was actually MP for Dundee for a period way back in the 1920s. Ah, I know that was a move to give him a seat when he didn't have one, but... But that's, that's how these things worked. But it says here, it talks about the temperance movement had a lot of support. Um, hang on, let me see. Now, down the years, there were many men of the cloth who liked a drop of the peat reek. And he, McCarty refers to whiskey as the peat reek in this, you know, the, the, the proper stuff. Anyway, yeah. there were others who saw strong drink as essentially sinful and there have been several periods in Scotland where the past couple of hundred years where temperance has had a lot of support. There are those who will tell you that Winston Churchill, after being ejected from the parliamentary seat of Dundee in 1922, was most deeply hurt by the fact that his opponent, Nettie Scragmore, was the leader of the Scottish Prohibition Party, which must have rankled Churchill some shocking, you know. But uh, it goes I, on. I would imagine it would have. I mean, that 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 goes beyond politics. That. Yeah, that that would that would that would stick in Churchill's craw somewhat because let's be honest, the, the, <laughs> the man spent most of his days indulging in a little tipple the whole day through, but uh, it didn't seem to do him any harm. Um. But it, talk, it talks about little stories about these kind of things. Um, overall, the book's quite interesting. It's quite funny in places. Uh, there's lots of references to words that if you were... Uh, if you're not from Scotland or sort of Northern Ireland, you probably, you probably have a little bit of trouble translating them. Uh, for example, he talks about drich. Uh, which is a it's, it's a version a of it's, it's a version of rain, isn't it? Yeah, it's drich. If a, if it's a drich day, what that means is it's very cold and wet, and the wind's blowing, and it's 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 one of those days where it really sort of shivers you through to the bone. It's a normal um, day in Scotland. <laughs> a normal day in Scotland, yeah. It could be sunny and then turn drich very quick, but it's that kind of thing. And one of the chapters is called the Buck and Twa Bonnet Trick. Which it's um, if you're is not that, is that an adornment in the in the front of your car that comes up and down when you the car starts and all with it, like, like the flying angel and Rolls Royces, <laughs> the bonnet, yeah, uh, something like that. Yes, um, it, it's basically uh, what it is. It's the it, it's a cure for the cold. Um, you place you place your bonnet or bonnet. Now hold on a minute here. On that's that's Sudafed here, but in the states that's crystal meth, and they don't sell it here for the very reason. <laughs> yeah, I think we have enough. I think we have enough things that we can get we can get off on. To be honest, um, I can see you break breaking Justin, <laughs> breaking bad. <laughs> you, you in the caravan heading down the coast road. <laughs> we can get Zuckerberg because you know he's he's moving into podcast next as well. You know oh, that good. Facebook, isn't he? You'll get us Zuckerberg on podcast now. No, 
what it is, it's a, it's a method to um, basically make you make you feel better. Um, what you do is you put your hat on the bed post or the bottom of the bed, and you have a hot toddy that gives you recipes for hot toddies and stuff. Okay. Um, and you keep drinking. You have a drink, and you keep doing this until you see two bonnets. At which point, your head on the pillow and close your eyes. You'll immediately be overcome with an all-enveloping sense of coziness and happiness that will transport you off to the land of Nod. When you awaken in the morning, you will be better. If not, repeat until the desired effect is attained. So this is not sound medical advice, but it's it's a certainly much more pleasant than having two paracetamol or an aspirin. It sounds like a Monty Python sketch where the, the Dan man wants to have her from Scotland, so they... The the tire of the bicycle was pumped up in Scotland, so he he sucks the air out of the tire. I'm thinking it's Monty Python. It could be wrong. It could very well be, but but it it talks about how much people used to drink and stuff. Um, so there's lots of history, lots of little stories, lots of folk tales, myths, legends, and that kind of thing. It's an enjoyable little book. Um, it's not very expensive. I think. It was published about ten years ago, um, and you can pick them up second hand very quite really easily. And I think it's probably still in print. What um, you're saying is, if you like a dram, Stuart Mahardy's book "Tales of Whiskey" is worth a wee punt uh, to put in with a wee bottle you're buying for somebody. Absolutely, and um, anyone who anyone who likes whiskey tends to be the sort of person that likes a, a story and a tale. Um, and uh, yeah, you'll enjoy this. There's. There's some little stories in it that are a bit, a bit sort of childish, to be honest. But other ones are really quite interesting. So yeah, yeah. I know that because we we know there's a bit of history in whiskey. That it's the H, the I, and the S. There you go, and the Y at the end as well. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, listen, great stuff. Uh, catch us with the Envision podcast Saturday night on YouTube and Facebook at ten p.m. Support us with buymeacoffee.com slash Irish whiskey. Marty, keep reading these books. I don't know how you're going to keep keep them coming, but I mean, it, one's about tall tales and whiskey. I mean, e- e- even the cover of this book looks... I mean, I don't even know what it is in the cover, but it's it's yeah. on the podcast image here. Weird. It's weird stuff. It is a weird, it is a weird looking beast. I know. But, it's, like, it's like something out of the Wicker Man. <laughs> but it's, it's having a drink, so it's obviously enjoying itself. All right. Catch you again. All, <laughs> All right. the best. Take care. Bye-bye.